I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between it. I want to say, uh, or on top of us, because that's how it feels. It still but, feels yeah. like that, yes. Yeah. Uh, your mother's back at the hospital, and we're still trying to get things managed with the boy, and life is just a little bit much, still. Sometimes lately it gets to be so much that the next day, like like my mother's in the hospital, but she needs to be there and it's good that she's there. Right. So now I'm kind of as relaxed as I can be because yes. everything is being managed to the best as is possible. So yes. Anyhow. So speaking of getting things managed, you had therapy today. I did. How'd it go? It was good. I have finally got to my first appointment with my new therapist last week. Yes. And, you know, it was just intake, the same intake conversations that I've had with a couple other therapists. Hi, who are you? And what's wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you sitting in my office paying me? Right. It must be important. You know, <laughs> this time around, it had a different dimension that didn't happen when I went to a therapist in high school and when I went to a therapist in college. And neither of them were really helpful to me. And the reasons they weren't really helpful to me then was because we would talk and then they would connect dots that I had already connected and they would offer solutions that I had already identified and sometimes even started to implement. And it seemed like they were basically trying to do everything that I had already done and there was no additional help being offered. So I said, okay, thank you. Goodbye. That does not seem useful. It does not. But in this case, we'll see if it helps again. We'll see if it just... Going through the motions again. I don't know. We'll see how where it goes. Well, you said she, she was nice. She's nice. She's smart. She's not dumb about like gender stuff and about like family stuff. And Tell us more about the gendery stuff. The gendery stuff. I try to ignore the gendery stuff. Yet you put a microphone in front of me at least every week if you can. <laughs> I try to ignore my gendery stuff. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> so over the course of the discussion that she and I were having over, you know, all of the stressors that we're dealing with right now between the kids and the elderlies, trying to figure out what's going on in my head that is or is not directly related to this, what my big picture might look like. It's basically around all our stress, which mainly involves parenting and also involves the rest of life and the elderlies. Yeah. Which somehow I did not include in life, I think because I often worry. That they, <laughs> yeah. That it's, it, yeah. There's... It, but anyhow, tell us about the gendery things. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, so yeah, we probably spent a good half of our first appointment talking about the situational things. Yes. The kids, the parents, situations around kids and parents that make them more challenging. Then the rest of the appointment, she starts asking questions that are more geared towards figuring out where my head is at and where my personal experiences are coming from that would affect the way I interact with these situational stressors. Yes, that's a good thing. It is. That's how you knew she was smart. Yeah, well. So one of the things that we touched on was the fact that as a parent, I am not a maternal kind of person. 
No, but you masquerade as one in I, your daily outfits. I, I present femme. I enjoy presenting femme. I would probably enjoy presenting femme more if I had a more masculine body structure or facial structure. I realized that because I, I thought once when you showed me that little cartoon guy with his dress and his beard. Uh-huh. And you said, that's you. There was a, a picture of a kind of adorable, chubby, bearish-looking person in Tim's or combat boots and rolled-up jeans and very frou-frou, like, pink shirt, but it's got, like, the rolled cuff shirt sleeves. So very stereotypically femi masculine gay man. With a parasol. With a parasol. That's right. And I said, this is me post-transition, if I ever get there. And I was like, oh, because sometimes I thought, well, if Jess ever decided to transition, we wouldn't have to have so many clothes and all this crap all over the place. And now I know I'm wrong. (laughs) Oh, there would be so much more crap, I'm sure of it. (laughs) I don't know that there would be more I think that there might be less in the long run because masculine-bodied people can mix and match more options to create more variety that is situationally appropriate. If I need to dress up nice, I have a certain set of dresses that I can wear. If I need to dress casually, I have a different set of dresses and or trousers I can wear. And for men, the difference between those is basically the polo shirt or the button shirt. Yes. Whereas for me, it's the entire dress and probably the undergarments that make my body look a little bit more appropriate to the dress and so on. Right. So yeah, we'd probably have a little bit less stuff, but the idea that in our extended family, your ex is the only one of all these parental type figures that's actually like maternal. Although the number one and three child's father is more maternal probably than you are. He probably is. He's not like a maternal type person, but he probably has more of what we would consider stereotypically maternal ways of interacting with his kids than I do. Yes. And so, you know, you and I are the dads and our exes are the moms. Uh Uh-huh. And so she checked in on that after I had mentioned it, talking about our kids and external stressors. She says, so so what is that like for you? And I said, well, I, you know, I'm a non-binary person. I identify as genderqueer. My pronoun is they. Went over, you know, how I present in school with the MX prefix instead of MS or MR. And... She says, oh, that's that's interesting. Now, what does that dysphoria look like for you? Like, she didn't even question that I had dysphoria. If I'm identifying as something other than my assigned sex at birth, she just, what is that experience like for you? Or what is your experience of dysphoria? And I said, well, it's primarily social, you know, rolling into these ideas of what we had said before, that a lot of people perceive me as this maternal person. And then when I act dadly and dudely, they don't know what to think of me. And then often they will question my parenting. Yeah, this is where gender, gendery stuff gets weird because the genders are not allowed to do the things the other gender is supposed to do. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that is where a lot of my dysphoria lies is in that social aspect. But she says, so do you have any physical dysphoria? Do you have any other kinds of experiences where your world feels wrong? And I said, well, I do sometimes experience physical dysphoria, but it's a fairly fluid experience. And I stopped there because the rest of what I could be saying wasn't pertinent to what we were discussing in that moment. 
Right. But with you, I can discuss that, you know, because we've experienced this. We've been married for five, six years now. We've been together for seven or eight. We're, we're both dads. We don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So that my physical dysphoria primarily, not entirely, but primarily centers on my genitals and I experience it primarily in bed. Yes. And there have been weeks or months at a time where I have been focused entirely on your experience in bed because it's too distracting and not worth the effort to try and focus on my experience. Right. I also experience some physical dysphoria, sometimes about my chest, sometimes about my curves, mostly when I look in the mirror and mostly when I am presenting in something especially feminine, like a dress or like a fitted top. And I expect it to fit me like Jeffrey Marsh or like a Fade Menon or one of these other more angularly figured people. And I'm filling out all the curves and it's wrong. Even though everybody else would say, you look damn good in that dress. And I'm thinking, but there's boobs here. Yeah. <laughs> and things you fed the children with when they came out. Yeah, yeah, they were useful. And that's kind of how I get past my physical dysphoria about my lower regions also is like, it, it works. Mm-hmm. I, it has a function. I appreciate and even enjoy its function. Yes. Yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. As long as I don't think too hard about what it looks like, it works. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't discuss that with the therapist, but I found that interesting that because that is kind of a fluid experience, mm-hmm. that sometimes I dislike my body and other times I can just ignore my body. And on very rare occasions, I actually enjoy and appreciate my body. The fluidity of that experience is something that a lot of the queer community has kind of looked down on from time to time. Because there are a lot of us who have been told when we're coming out or when we are first experiencing or coming into an awareness of our identity or our orientation, a lot of people have been told, oh, it's just a phase. Yeah, they they do that to people. They do that. And I hear it all the time from my middle schoolers because I now lead our GSA. So the kids will tell you, my family members say, oh, it's just a phase. They say I'm too young to know what's really going on in my head. They say I'll change my mind when I'm older. They say Mm -hmm. there's this homophobic or transphobic framing of fluidity that lends itself towards hopeful parents idealizing a heteronormative child. Yeah. And it is an unfortunate thing that a lot of us in the queer community have sort of internalized the homophobia and transphobia of that framing and applied it then to any other fluid experience. You'll see people saying, you know, you're not trans enough if you only sometimes have dysphoria, or you're not queer enough if you are bi because you're selfish or greedy or whatever. I didn't ask them, but I think when I was the age these kids are in your GSA, that would have affected me differently. Yeah. I mean, I I had the same personality of, you know, I don't know what's wrong with that person running their mouth about something that's not their business, but you know. (laughs) That's fair. But this is a thing that happens, and I think because it's internalized in the queer community, I didn't realize until I was explaining to this new therapist that 
my experience of physical dysphoria is fluid. And then realizing that somewhere in the back of my head, the word fluid with dysphoria sort of set off just a little bit of ick in the back of my head, like, that's not right. Wait, no, really it is. But why does it feel like it's not right? And so... Because you've been told. Because there is that sense of if it's just a phase, then that somehow diminishes the reality of the experience. You have then a disjointed reality, right? But it's my reality. Yes. And and it's imposed on by others' reality. Yes. Yes, that is that is true. And so... It took me a little bit to figure out why I was uncomfortable with the idea of my level of physical comfort in my own skin being fluid. And it was that thing that my kids are always telling me. My family says it's just a phase. My mom says I'll outgrow it. My dad says I just haven't met the right guy yet. Yeah, and they're too young to say the opposite thing back to them. (laughs) Yeah, they're middle schoolers. I don't want them getting kicked out of their houses yet. No, they're too young for that. They know that I would adopt any of them if I needed to, but I actually had one girl, Mormon Baby Dyke, ask me if I could adopt them, and I told her, I'm sorry, your parents have to sign off, and she's like, damn it. (laughs) Yeah, the poor thing. (laughs) Yes. But, yeah, so that was weird, like, to realize... That even after all these years of living with this experience and feeling like, I don't want to say comfortable in my discomfort, but like having come to terms with and found a livable place in my experience to realize that there was still something back there that was like not settled about it. Is that like getting used to it? I think it is. Okay. Just checking. I think so. Mm -hmm. And now that you say it, that makes me think of your experience because you lived with that sense of transitioning would be harder than dealing with it until it wasn't. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it it came back into my consciousness. Wait, it's not going to be harder now. Quick, let's do something. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. But Even after like five years now of transition, which is kind of crazy, time flies. Mm -hmm. Even now you've mentioned that you still experience dysphoria in certain situations. And it made me think even as a completely binary, fitting the mold of you've known this since you were three, even you still have some fluidity to that experience to when you have dysphoria or when you don't or what situations make you feel more dysphoric or not. And I also hear people say that a lot, that dysphoria doesn't tend to go away from most trans people. Maybe that factor sticks out more because people who are not having that wouldn't feel the need to talk about it. I don't know. I I wonder that a lot. It it makes me think of, you know, the the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You, You notice the ones who are speaking up and you don't know if they're the vocal minority or if they really are the majority of voices because they are the majority of the population. Right. But what's your experience now of dysphoria as it waxes and wanes in your daily life? What comes to mind at the same time is the things that really help. You know, like, I like my facial hair, so that's good. It is good. It helps with dysphoria. It does. And I I need to clarify, sometimes I laugh about your your mustache. Mm -hmm. I wanted to clarify for you, and I sent you an article the other day about people with funny looking mustaches, and you'll notice that all the people in that article were cis or cis passing. I would laugh at your mustache if you were cis. I would laugh at your mustache if you were just some guy on the street. I just find your your mustache amusing. My therapist says my mustache looks fine. I'm sure she does. (laughs) 
If you were a cis guy, I would be getting after you to shave that damn thing. Because you are not, and because I know that it pleases you to have it, and because I know that it lessens your dysphoria, I'm just amused by it. And I have to say, what do you expect from a mustache that's only been trying to grow for the last five years? I think that's perfectly fair. It's what it is. It is. So. Although I have to say, the other night we were talking about random things in bed, and I think your facial hair came up and I said, see, that's the reason I really haven't transitioned yet. I don't want to outdo your facial hair. (laughs) You'll have a funny looking mustache and you'll grow it anyway. Probably. That's what I think. Your father had a funny looking mustache. Yes, he did. (laughs) My father did not. True. So anyway. I also have very curly facial hair. More more curly, kinky than, than most. Yes. Like most facial hair is by nature curly, but yours is really, really tight curly. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't lend towards mustache very right. well. <laughs> so having facial hair helps you with dysphoria, noticing the stereotypical masculine things about yourself that now fit a masculine presentation help with your dysphoria. But what things or what experiences still cause you to experience dysphoria or what What does that feel like for you now? How is that different from five years ago? Well, there's more things to balance out the dysphoria Mm -hmm. in a positive way. So that's what's different from five years ago. I do get some dysphoria about certain ways certain clothes fit, especially over the last year and a half where I shrunk down to nothing and then got some of my, you know, flesh back. (laughs) You, when your intestines tried to kill you, you lost like 30 pounds. Almost 30, yeah. 30 pounds in the span of about a month. And you were like flesh and bones for a while. Yeah. And it took me until fairly recently to gain very much of it back. Yes. And I haven't gained all of it back. No, you haven't. And I think quite frankly that that's healthy because you and I were both starting to um, gain a little more than was healthy because life has kept us from the gym. Well, that kept me alive. (laughs) Yes, it did. So. There you go. Right. (laughs) That fat that you had. Was a good thing to have. It was a very good thing to have. So... I needed it. You did. I had to burn all that fat while I was trying not to die. But then you've got all these clothes that you bought to fit your new frame, and they're fitting you all big and baggy now like they did four and a half years ago. Well, I have the clothes that I had before I got sick. Those ones are completely baggy. Yes. Especially the pants. Mm -hmm. It's like clown pants. (laughs) And then, so I, I put them away because they're perfectly good pants, and what if I eat too much pie again and I need them? (laughs) <laughs> so the next set of pants I bought was a couple inches smaller. Uh-huh. Just as I was about to wear them, I got sick again. So then I had to buy some that were even smaller. Yep. So I was maybe four or five sizes smaller in pants, and that's just because I like them comfortable. My work wife pointed out at the time that I could have bought those smaller again so they would have fit. And I said, don't worry, they will. Yes. I'm going to eat. You, you, yes, that is true. So, so some of the pants that I bought the second time, those are the smallest, they fit, but they're getting a little tight. And that gives me some dysphoria because I could feel my hips. Oh. And it's, it's uncomfortable, physically uncomfortable. And that gives me a dysphoria of how does this look, you know? And you've asked me a few times, do these pants look okay on me? Should I tuck in my shirt? Should I leave my shirt out? Does this mm-hmm. shirt play up my hips? And, you know, no, I'll always be honest, but quite frankly, you're a straight dude. Nobody gives a rat's ass. Yeah, but but I need to have the conversation. You do. Yeah, you and do. that's the dysphoria. 
That's so, fair. And I had this idea before transition, especially from some of the things I was reading and kind of feeling ballsy, I think, which is funny from what I'm about to say, <laughs> um, is that I wouldn't feel like I, I needed to pack. Yeah, that That's funny to me. It is, huh? It is. Yeah. It is. You never leave the house without a sock. And, or, or something, yeah. Or something. And when you are packing to go somewhere, you pack... Not only the socks for your feet, but the socks for your pants. Yes. Packing a suitcase, you mean? Yes. Like to, to go yes. on a trip. That's right. That's what I mean for somewhere. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've been okay. spending too much time with you lately. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, and I thought about it today, and I remember doing that when I was in high school. Putting socks in your pants? Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, because I was uncomfortable with the way it looked. And then, I th- and then I would be uncomfortable with that being incongruent with what people expected. Now that I think about that, most of the time I was mistaken for a guy. So even into like my late 20s. You, you know. had a more angular frame and you had next to no chest until you were well into your 30s. Yes. And so, yeah, that's not terribly surprising. And I've seen pictures of you from your teens and 20s, and you did have hips. You've always had hips. Yep. But even then, like, there was no question that you clearly had a more masculine presentation and a more masculine body type and a more masculine, even with a few curves. Mm -hmm. And so I can see how that would be a thing. But I find that interesting. You'd never told me before that you had packed in high school. I totally forgot about it. And I thought of it today because I decided I didn't want to use a sock. I wanted to try to use one of the packers because before I got sick a little over a year ago, I was starting to try to figure out like, did I want a different type of packer or STP and some type of one that was a prosthetic or what did I want to do? And then of course, I, (laughs) I couldn't do anything. So I didn't. And today I was thinking, well, are any of these packers even remotely comfortable and can they be worn without me trying to look down at my pants all day to see if that looks weird? You know, because, you know, you're not. Yeah. It's not part of your body, so you can't feel where it is. Mm -hmm. So you have to look. Yes. And you've gotten used to the sock and because the sock is mushy and isn't going to be lumpy in the way that a molded prosthetic is. You don't really have to worry as much about, does it look funny? No, you don't. And it's very handy if you have a homemade STP because um, everything stays dry. Yes. So, yeah. I, I think that would be handy with pretty much any STP because best I can tell, there is no wiping. No, there's for not. any any type and of STP device. And that's why some people are very uncomfortable with, with them. The homemade one, as you're pushing it forward, you're pushing liquid off of your body. Okay. You know, it, it's... It's drier than most STPs uh-huh. in that sense. And because it goes with the sock, it is extra drier. Oh, good. So there. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, prosthetics yeah. are not made of absorbent material. No. And most prosthetics that are, you know, affordable to people, things you start with when you're packing or deciding if you're going to or how you're going to, the inexpensive ones are not, they're not STPs. So if I still want to stand to pee, I have to then bring the homemade one with me. And so I have to be able to move the packer out of the way to pee. And so I did get this old one out today that's just this uh, like pretty wide elastic strap that in the front holds the packer so it can move around a bit, just like your junk would, but it's not in the way to use a, a homemade STP. Okay. So 
Do, now, is this the one that's only a belt for the harness, or is this the one that has the belt harness and the around the legs? Just a belt. Just the belt. Okay. Yeah, and see, that one was not comfortable before, but my ass is smaller. It is. So I, I tried it today, and it was perfectly comfortable. I wore it all day. Oh, good. Yeah. Some of the softer ones, like even the, oh, what was that first STP that... Was that the Peacock? Yeah, it was It was one of the Peacocks. Okay. It doesn't work well for me as an STP. It doesn't work well for a lot of people. Uh-huh. It seems hit and miss. But as a packer, it's very smushy and easy to wear, but finding something to wear it with. Whereas this other packer came with this little harness that's just a belt. Uh-huh. And it stays, because it's wide elastic, you don't need the things around your legs. And So, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of very expensive packing underwear there available out there. Is, and yeah. it might be worth you know, that might be when we have the time and energy, that might be our next adventure into transition related. That, that was my planned adventure a year ago. I know. So, <laughs> so, and everything has remained crazy in so many alternating ways Holy that I could not have imagined. Fuck. Anyhow, I thought, why don't I go back to the packing experiments that I was about to try a year ago and see how that goes. Did so, it help? Yes. Um, I, th- I think it helped. I mean, it helped the project. I don't know if it helped the dysphoria. I guess that's what you mean. Did it help the yes. dysphoria? <laughs> it did a bit because I started to feel self-conscious about the sock. Uh-huh. Yeah. As practical and easy as it was. I'm not sure if it's because some of the underwear was getting loose. And the other underwear I have is not as good for pecking with a sock. I think you do hmm. have a lot of loose underwear now because it's the same underwear you've been wearing for a year and a half. And so it was stretched out when you were thicker and now you're not thicker. Right. And so you probably have more fabric than your bulge needs because you have more fabric than your body needs. Yeah. So occasionally the sock has gotten away on me and it's not fun. I bet. You know, especially it goes into a sopping wet toilet or something. Like you're like, okay, would it flush that? Or maybe I shouldn't flush. You know, you've got to figure out what to do at that Mm -hmm. point. If it goes into the urinal, crap. You know what I mean? But the sock is trying to get away. And I I thought, well, let's go back to the experiment so then we can talk about that to the microphone. That's good. Mm -hmm. So you say it did minimally help your dysphoria as well? Yes, it did. I noticed your bulge earlier. When you came home? When I came home, yes. Mm -hmm. You got home before me today. And when I came home, I noticed your bulge. And I don't usually notice your bulge. And I noticed your bulge today. And I was like, huh. I had I didn't have a sock. I had the pecker. Uh huh. Yeah. Your bulge was more noticeable. And yeah, I'm that's what I was not sure if that's a good thing. I or was a bad worrying thing, about it because that's what I'm saying. The the other ones squish more. They do. And that one doesn't squish very much. Mm mm. But I knew I was mostly going to be in the car and sitting different places where it wouldn't be a problem. So right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was just different and more pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Most things are more pronounced than a sock. Okay, fair. Right? Although I think if we bought you some new underwear that wasn't all stretched out, the sock might sit where it's supposed to better also. Sometimes, and I know this happens with peckers too, sometimes the sock gets cockeyed. Ha ha ha. And it's not comfortable. I bet. Right. Oh. So. So other dysphoria. Other dysphoria. 
I have sometimes felt too short, stuff like that. But for the most part, I think it's about wondering, since I transitioned so late in life, wondering like, does this person know I'm trans? How could they know I was trans? And if they did know, what would they think of it? And those are dysphoria things. They are. Yeah. I wonder that sometimes. That's interesting. Like I know one of my coworkers knows that had been to our house. And so I sometimes wonder... Does she think of that? Does she remember that? Because some people forget. Yes. Like my boss seems to have totally There, There are adapted. a handful of people in our lives who have known you for a long time who totally have forgotten that you have ever had any other presentation and they'll see like an old picture of you and they're like, oh, that's oh, wrong. Yeah. Oh, that's you, isn't it? Ah. Right. Like, yeah. and these people have Thank known you. Thank you, because I, I appreciate that. And they might even be there in that picture with you. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, oh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because it just, it seems discongruent to them. Mm-hmm. And so we did have one of your coworkers over. We have pictures all over our house. Mm-hmm. And wedding pictures. Wedding pictures and family pictures and pictures from before we were married with us, with our kids pictures of you hiking with number two. And I've asked you before, do you want me to take down old pictures of you? And you've always said, no, I think it's all right. Yeah. And so when we have people over to our house, there are these pictures there. And at some, I think it was Christmas, we hosted your coworkers. Yes. A couple, couple, the other year uh-huh. or the other day, if you prefer. <laughs> One of them had looked at some of the pictures and then looked at... My boss said she looked at the picture, looked at me, looked at the picture, looked at me, and looked at my boss and went, oh, okay. (laughs) And then went back to whatever we were doing. Which is kind of the right response, I have to say. Not like anything stupid or making a scene about that realization. I didn't realize this was you. Oh, my God. (laughs) something like that. No. You, You know what? I think about it now. What's funny is that party my our old intern came to mm-hmm. with her husband. She's the one that was trying to find me in that old picture at work. Oh that my gosh! Hernia guy uh-huh. pointed out when we were all in his office, uh-huh. and she didn't notice anything about any of the pictures. Oh gosh, that's great. So as far as I know, see then then there's a trans thing of did she? Yeah. See? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What emotions, you're telling me the verbal thought process, which I know in your head is not verbal, but thank you for verbalizing it. Mm -hmm. You've told me the process of thoughts. What is the process of feelings that goes along with those thoughts? Because you're telling me that that's a dysphoria thing. And for me, when I experience things like that of, does this person know that I feel wrong in this dress? Does somebody realize that I feel like I'm in drag with all this makeup? You know, when I have those thoughts, to me, they're more of a curiosity. I I distance myself from them and I observe them as, here's a thing that's happening in my head. Of course you do. <laughs> I'm sure this is how I do. Yes. What, what are your feelings that go along with those thoughts? I think along the lines of, does this person know or not know? It is more of a curiosity, but the feeling that goes with it is, well, that could be uncomfortable, but why make myself uncomfortable? about something I don't know. So too bad. Good. Yeah. 
I think that's a really good way to deal with it. Yeah. And the, the other feelings that go with it are more safety math mm-hmm. of, will this be a problem? Yeah, that's fair. So Safety math makes me laugh. My students asked me to play safety dance in the classroom the other day. They've been asking, we have this, you know, time before and after school every day that they're coming into my room and they always ask me to play music. And for the past month, month and a half, it's all been like weird 80s music. And I'm like, hmm, you're playing music from before you were born. Some of it's from before I was born. Mm -hmm. But continue. When it comes to the pants dysphoria, I try to figure out if there's something more comfortable I can do and how quick can I do that because I probably ran out of time already because I'm getting dressed in the morning. Right. So So at that point, you're too busy problem solving to observe your emotions. And my thought process is mostly, is this uncomfortable enough to change it now because I will be uncomfortable all day? You know, am I going to adjust or are the pants going to adjust? Because pants adjust after they've been worn a little bit. They do. some, Some pants do, some trousers don't. Correct. And what things do I have to do that day which will make them more or less uncomfortable? For instance... The smallest pants will start closing in on my legs. Yeah. I know. You you think leg traps. I suppose that's what you Yes, feel I call pajama pants leg traps. I have to take them off before I get in the bed. Leg traps, I, so I totally understand. They're because- uncomfortable if I have to sit, like driving a lot. And they'll start to con- they'll start to ride up on your legs and constrict your thighs. I know they're, that they're squeezing your thighs and I hate that. And you're thinking, no, make it stop. Yeah, uh-huh. that thing. Yeah. So um, I know that feeling. It, it happens around my hips when the pants are too tight, or if the belt is too loose on one notch and too tight on the other, uh. because of my hips. Uh-huh. The hips are in the way. So how do I adjust what I'm wearing accordingly to not be quite so uncomfortable? And be aware that my hips are being a problem. Because unlike Shakira, your hips do lie. They do. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> so. So the yeah. trans guy after five years still has dysphoria, but way less and way more manageable. The NB has dysphoria, but it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. And we manage. Thank you for managing with me. You're welcome. Managing is nice. Holy fuck is it ever. Yeah, we have a lot of mismanagement to compare it to right now, so... That's true. Eventually we'll get to all that, so... I think that's it for now. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. Hooray, it works. It's as good as it gets. Yep. Like the sign says. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. That's what the sign says. Relax. This is as good as it gets. That is what the sign says. Yeah.
by the time this posts, the relax sign will have gone up on our social media now so that this can be a blooper. Mm-hmm. Last week. Yes, you did, you did that. I did. Yes. <laughs> You're starting to fall asleep. I told you we had to hurry. Yeah. <laughs> You're adorable. <laughs> time to time. I had to make sure it was on the mic- microphone. I didn't check. <laughs> All of a took sudden, you 15 minutes hey, to check that, you're the that one that told me I wasn't from awake. The right microphone. So. No, thank you. I appreciate okay. that. Okay. As far as, and you can just take things out if, if they're not the, uh-huh. the words, but maybe they'll make us think of the words. Uh-huh. Well, you might think of the words. I don't know that I will. <laughs> Go ahead and say what you Anyhow, wanted to start to say. I wonder what I was going to say. <laughs> as far as? As far as figuring things out. Ha, 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 ha.